The following message entitled, Who Are You Going to Trust? Part 3 of the series, Real Life Wisdom, was given by Mark Altrogi on September 15, 2013 at Sovereign Grace Church of Indiana, Pennsylvania. To learn more about our church, please visit sgcindianapa.org. Morning, everybody. Welcome to Sovereign Grace Church. I know Joe said that already, but my name is Mark. I'm also one of the pastors here, and I will be back in the guest reception. So if you have not ever had a chance to get back there to the guest reception, uh, it's very informal. Just have some coffee and refreshments, and I'd love to just meet you. I'll be back there and some folks from the church, and uh, just come back. As long as you're able, stay a few minutes and uh, love to get to know you a little bit. Well, we're in the book of Proverbs. So if you could turn to Proverbs chapter 3. And while you're turning there, just want to let you know about something we do as a church that you might not be aware of. Uh, every six months we have been having a uh, a luncheon in which we have invited local pastors to come in just to fellowship with local guys from other churches. And we had one this past week. And um, we have had a dozen or so guys at times. We had a little less than that this week. But uh, we have these other guys come in from other churches. And we do that just as an expression of our unity and our support and as a way of just acknowledging that there's one body, one Lord, one faith, one body, one baptism. As we sang this morning, the guys came in and we just try to encourage one another, support one another, pray for one another. And I, I told them that I noticed that uh, there's a new church being planted in the area called Amplify, which uh, was, was going to be meeting at the Kowalczyk Center. And uh, I actually, I know the pastor in Pittsburgh, uh, I haven't seen him for many, many years that that church is coming out of, so I wrote him, invited him if he ever wanted to come to the luncheon. I just said, we're, we're glad they're planting another church in town. We're all on the same team. There are 60,000 people in this county or this town, not, not this town, but in the county who have no church affiliation whatsoever. There's lots of people need to be saved, so I said, I'm just so glad you guys are going to be planting another church in town and because you're going to reach people that we can't reach. And, and so we say those kinds of things at our pastor's luncheon just to affirm one another. And uh, so I just want you to know that, that you're, you're a part of that even though you aren't there, obviously. But we're seeking to do that to reach out to our community. So thanks for being the uh, kind of church that would support that. This morning's message is called, Who Are You Going to Trust? Who are you going to trust? We put our trust in experts all the time. Most of us trust our doctors. We figure he or she is an expert. So when our doctor prescribes a medication, we don't challenge them. I mean, my doctor will give me a medication and I don't say, are you sure that's the right one for me? I mean, some, some of you might challenge your doctor like that, but I never do. I just figure this guy, this guy's an expert. He knows, what's, he knows what's best for me. So he says, 
get this kind of medication? I say, okay. I go to the pharmacy. I don't question them. I figure they're experts at putting these things together. So I just take, take my bottle from CVS and I go home and I just take it. I trust my bank every time I deposit my paycheck. They just give me a piece of paper back saying how much I deposited. I, I don't say, hey, would you mind if I followed you and watched you put the money in the vault? I, tr I, I just trust experts all the time. And yet, how hard is it for us to trust the Lord at times? I mean, the Lord, the God, the God who created every single molecule in the universe. The God who created all the laws that hold everything together. The God who knows us inside and out. Who knows our every thought, our every motive of our heart. Who knows what's best for us. He is the ultimate expert. Yet how hard it is at times for us to trust Him. We can worry and fret and try to figure things out on our own. And we can easily become downcast when our life gets hard. We can wonder if God really hears our prayers. We can wonder if God really knows what He's doing. Have you ever thought that? Have you ever said, Lord, do you really know what you're doing here? Yeah, I've, I've done that. I, I know He does know what He's doing, but I can feel like He doesn't. I can say, are you sure this is what's best for my life? Because it really doesn't feel good. So in this series on Proverbs, we have heard that the starting place for a spiritually successful and joy-filled, satisfying life is to know God personally. We know God through Jesus, His Son. God the Son. And to gain a healthy fear of the Lord through His Word. And the more we know Him, the more we'll trust Him. The more we read God's Word, the more we exercise faith in God's Word, the more we will know Him. And the more we know God, the more we will trust Him. And in our passage this morning, God tells us how absolutely critical it is to trust the Lord. So let's read verses 5-12 through 12 from Proverbs 3. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of His reproof. For the Lord reproves Him whom He loves as a father the son in whom He delights. Let's pray. Father, we, we know that You are infinitely wise. So help us, Lord Jesus. Help us, Father. Help us to trust You. 
Lord, this morning, may your word build faith into our lives. May your word build trust into our lives that we would trust in you with all our hearts, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you would use this, Lord, to, to, to encourage us, to help those who are suffering, to build up the faith of those who are downcast. Lord Jesus, do great things through your word, we pray. We ask in your name, Jesus. Amen. This morning, we're going to look at what it means to trust the Lord with all our heart. And the temptation, we're also going to look at the temptation to lean on our own understanding. And we'll see some of the benefits of trusting God. We'll look at two specific examples of where it's challenging to trust the Lord with all our heart. So first of all, what does it mean to trust in the Lord with all your heart and to acknowledge Him in all our ways? Verse 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. The Christian life is a life of trust from beginning to end. To trust in the Lord means to believe His Word and act on that belief. Believe God's Word and act on that belief. That's what faith is. Faith is trust. The Bible says everyone who believes in Jesus will be saved. This doesn't mean that we simply believe information about Jesus. Sure, I believe that Jesus lived and was crucified. No, it means that we put our entire trust in Him to wash away our sins by His shed blood and give us eternal life. It means that we are casting ourselves upon Him. It means that we believe He's God and trust He is God and obey Him and take appropriate action based on that belief. See, if I, if I went to the pharmacy and they gave me medicine, and I said, I believe this is really good. I believe this is going to help me. I believe this is going to make me feel better. But I ain't taking it. See, I wouldn't really trust them then. I wouldn't really believe it. I could say I believe it, but belief in Jesus, trusting in the Lord, requires action that we take based on that belief. And so, we believe that Jesus is God and we trust Him and we obey Him and we ask Him to rule our lives and care for us and lead us because He is the ultimate expert. So when we trust something, we put our full weight on it. Charles Spurgeon, the great preacher of the 1800s, said it's, it's like when we sit in a chair we trust that that chair is going to uphold us. When you come in here every Sunday morning and you sit down, you're not getting down underneath. Are all these screws tight? Is, are these legs on good? Is this going to fall down if I sit up? No, you just plop down. You throw your whole weight on it. You're doing that in faith. You, you never thought that was an act of faith to sit down in one of these chairs. But it's, it is. We, we put our weight on it. A, a couple years ago, in, in 2011, I had to get a stent in my heart. So I went down to Shadyside, and I put my life in the hands of a doctor. I didn't simply believe the facts about that doctor. He was an expert. He'd done this a hundred times or a thousand times before, and he's experienced. He knows what he's doing. I didn't ask. I didn't ask any of those questions. I didn't even ask the doctor's name. 
I'm letting the guy <laughs> work on my heart. <laughs> and I didn't even know. I think he did introduce himself to me beforehand. He came in. Yeah, he did. But I didn't know him. I didn't say, are you, are you good at this? <laughs> I entrusted my entire life to him. You know, ultimately, I wasn't trusting the doctor. I was ultimately trusting Jesus. But in an earthly sense, I was trusting the doctor. And my trust in the doctor led me to take action. I went there. I went through the surgery. See, it wouldn't, it wouldn't have been real trust if I had said, I believe you're good, but I'm going home. <laughs> that would not have been trust. That would not have been faith. I could have believed all the facts about him I wanted. So God's Word calls us to trust in the Lord with, it says, with all your heart. Verse 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart. That means Jesus demands that we go all in with Him. We surrender to Him completely. We don't say, I trust you, Jesus, but I, I want this part of my life to, I, I kind of want to keep my hand on the steering wheel here. No, we're going all in. Jesus, you direct me. You tell me what to do. I will do it wholeheartedly across the board. Good times and bad. Trust Him with our children. Trust Him with our finances. Trust Him with our futures. Trust in the Lord with all your heart means to trust His Word. We trust His Word to believe the Bible. In my early Christian days, there was a, a, a saying people would say, God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. And in a sense, that's true, but it's not really accurate. The truth is, God said it, that settles it. It doesn't matter whether I believe it or not. If God said it, it's true. Now, it will affect your life if you believe it. And so in one sense, it is true. God said it, I believe it, that settles it. And that helped me out as a young believer a lot. Because there were things I was going through and I, I would read things in God's Word and it just helped me so much to say, nope, God said it. I believe it. That settles it. I'm going for it. And this is where we are tested from the first day we're born again till the day we close our eyes and go to heaven. The test is this. What does God say about this situation and will I believe it? That's the big test. The test is, first of all, first of all, we've got to know what God says about a situation. Which is why we need to regularly be reading and taking in the Word of God. If you don't know what God says about life, if you don't know His His assessment of the situation, you're going to be in trouble. So first of all, we have to know what God says, but this is the big question in life. What does God say about what I'm going through? What does He say I should do? And will I believe it? This is what Paul calls the good fight of faith. In 2 Timothy 4.7, he says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Paul was saying, 
I have fought to believe God's Word. I have fought to believe the truth of who Jesus Christ is. I have fought to believe the Scriptures. I have fought for years this good fight to believe what God's Word says about Him. I have kept the faith. It is a fight. It is a challenge to trust in the Lord at all times. That means in every circumstance we look to Him. Verse 6, in all your ways, acknowledge Him and He will make your straight paths. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. How often are we in the middle of something in, in a situation and we're just acting like there's really no God? In all your ways, acknowledge Him. In all our ways, we have to get used to thinking, no, wait a minute. There is a God who is in control of this. There is a God who is involved in my life in all my ways. We have to look to Him. We have to remember. We we should pray. We should look to Him. We should ask Him for His perspective on it. When when things are happening to us, we should say, oh Lord, what, what do You say about this? What does Your Word say about this? And when we do this, He will make straight your paths. That means He will guide us in the absolute best way, the easiest way, the the way of least trouble and grief. And we we may not think it's going to be the best way. Because the Bible calls us at times to die to ourselves. But trust me, and trust God's Word. When we obey God's Word, it is the straightest path. If we fail to acknowledge God, if we fail to obey God, if we fail to to believe God's Word, we'll wind up taking a lot of detours. Some of us know that from experience. Driving off cliffs, getting mired in the mud of sin. So here's the big temptation. The temptation is to lean to our own understanding and be wise in our own eyes. So verse 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. Verse 7 says, Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. See, our hearts our hearts are constantly interpreting life. We we have our own understanding of things. We can lean on our own understanding or we can trust God's Word. We're constantly interpreting. For example, say I'm walking through the lobby and I say hi to Joe. And he completely ignores me and walks past me. And I immediately begin to interpret the situation. Wow, why did Joe snub me? Joe must be mad at me. Why is Joe mad at me? What's his problem? And and I can begin to say, he just snubbed me. He's so unfriendly. Well, that's my heart interpreting the situation. the, The reality of the situation is that Joe just saw his child run into the door and get smashed in the head and he's going to to help his son. And he didn't hear me say hi to him. But see, our hearts constantly interpret. We are constantly interpreting everything that happens to us in life. 
you ever did you ever find yourself saying this to yourself? This is not good. Or this stinks. This is terrible. Well, that's an interpretation of life. That's an interpretation of whatever the event is. We're always interpreting. We, hard times hit us. Some affliction we have to go through and we think God has abandoned me. See, we're, we're putting an interpretation on that situation. God has abandoned me or God doesn't care about me or God's given me too much to handle. Well, here's the question. What are you going to believe? Are you going to believe your own interpretation? Are you going to lean on your own understanding? Or will you trust in the Lord with all your heart? What is the Lord's assessment of your situation? God's Word says He will never give us something that is too much for us to handle with His help. God's Word says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. God's Word says, I will never turn away from doing good to you. So, when you're going through a really hard situation and you're thinking, God is, God is not on the scene. God is taking a coffee break or something up there and isn't seeing me. We need to say, no, wait a minute. Lord, I thank You that You will never turn away from doing good to me. Even in the midst of this, You're doing good to me. Lord, this really hurts, but you're do I know you're doing good to me. That's the big question. The big question is always how does God understand this situation versus how do I understand it? What's God's interpretation? And this this temptation to lean to our own understanding is so strong. Verse 7 says, "Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Sometimes we're tempted to sin. And that's when we can be wise in our own eyes and fail to hear, fail to fear the Lord and turn away from evil. And so Psalm 10 verses 11 and 13 talks about those who don't know God, but we are still tempted in this way. It says, He says in his heart, God has forgotten. He has hidden His face. He will never see it. Why does the wicked renounce God and say in his heart, you will not call to account? See, this is a common temptation. The temptation is, oh, you know what? God is, God's not going to punish me for this. I'll be okay. Or, I'm just going to do this once and then I'll quit. Temptation. This is a temptation. Be, be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. I, I talked with a couple a while back who had decided to begin living together and I told them that to be sexually involved outside of marriage is a sin. And they could not do that. And they essentially said to me, but we're so happy. We're just so happy. And I tried to warn them that God will not be mocked. That we can't just outright disobey His laws and not expect to experience a consequence. But they were being wise in their own eyes. And they were not turning away from evil. And we're all tempted like that. It's such a temptation to be wise in our own eyes. To think, I can handle it. I can handle this. What you're warning me about might happen to others, but nothing's going to happen to me. Here's, here's a temptation. And, and 
all of you teenagers, all you young men and women, boys and girls, listen, please listen to me. College students, when I was your age, I was wise in my own eyes. I didn't listen to my dad and mom. Here's an example. Here's one that so many young people reject. The Bible says this, 1 Corinthians 15.33, Do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. And so your dad and your mom, they're saying, I don't want you to hang out with this person. They're bad company. Oh, it's not going to affect me. It's not going to hurt me. I know it won't. And God says, don't be deceived. Don't kid yourself. But see, we can lean on our own understanding. Oh, it's not going to hurt me to hang out with this person or these friends of mine. Yeah, I know they're doing some things, but I won't. Don't be deceived. See, we, we lean on our own understanding. We don't fear the Lord then. You're not fearing the Lord. You're not turning away from evil. Don't be deceived. Don't kid yourself. This will happen. Bad company ruins good morals. It doesn't say bad company might ruin good morals. It doesn't say bad company ruins good morals sometimes. It will. It's a promise. And Satan's, think about this. Think about Satan's first temptation. What did Satan say? He said, did God really say this? Did God really say this? That if you eat this fruit, you're going to die? You're not going to die. That's what he said. Eve said, God said, if we eat this fruit, the day we eat this, we will surely die. Satan says, you're not going to die. God's holding out on you. He just doesn't want you to have fun. He knows you'll be as as wise as he is. That's the same. He, Satan doesn't need a whole lot of tricks. He's, he's been using the same ones. He'll say that to you. Your, your parents, maybe, for some of you young people, they'll be warning you about something. And Satan will say, it's not going to happen. Your parents are out of it. They're just old. They're that's what I used to think. Sorry, Dad. <laughs> I, know, I know now you weren't out of it. I was out of it. I would think, my, my parents, they, they, they listen to all this old music. They don't, you know, they, they don't realize. You know, my dad says the Beatles, they sound like a bunch of pots and pans. And, you know, <laughs> you did say that, Dad. Now, most of the young people are saying, who are the Beatles? But see, we can, we can be so tempted in so many ways to lean on our own understanding and not trust the Lord. And, and so we'll make excuses. Ah, that guy doesn't know what he's talking about. But there are benefits from trusting the Lord with all our heart. Verse 6 says, In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make straight your paths. 
Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It'll be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Now this is not a guarantee that God will always heal us in every situation. But he's saying God will bless our lives. God will refresh us. God will revive us. God will provide for us. God will take care of us. Now there are a couple of areas where it's hard to trust the Lord. It's hard to honor the Lord. It's hard to lean, not lean on our own understanding. And the first example that Solomon brings in for his son is giving to the Lord. And so he says in verse 9, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. So, one of the first places that we need to trust the Lord with all our heart and lean not to our own understanding is giving to the kingdom of God. Giving to the poor. Giving to the work of the gospel. God says, trust me. If you honor me with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce, I'll bless you. Now this doesn't mean we're going to be driving Cadillacs or anything like that, but it means God is going to meet our needs. God is going to take care of us. God tells us to give for our benefit. God doesn't need our money. He wants us to give so that we will be blessed. God isn't up there worrying, saying, man, if they don't give me money, I don't know how I'm going to run this universe. I need 50 bucks more. Who's going to give me 50 bucks? No, God doesn't need our money at all. He, every command in Scripture is for our benefit. So that we'll prosper. So that we'll have joy. And so, He says, honor me with the first thing. Honor me with your, for, with your wealth. Honor me with the first fruits. This, this is... God doesn't owe us when we give to Him. It's not payback, but this is a means of grace. And so when we give, it takes faith to give because we can think, if I, if I give to the Lord, then, then I, I'm not gonna, I might not have enough for this. If, if I give to the Lord, I don't know where my provision is going to come from. God says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. We can lean on our own understanding. Say, I, you know, I, I only make so much here. I, I need this much. God says, honor me, and I will bless you. It's hard sometimes. <laughs> God says when, when we give to Him, it honors Him. How does that honor? It's because we're saying, Lord, by me giving to you financially, I'm acknowledging that everything I have belongs to you. I'm only giving a small amount of the total blessings that you've given to me, but Lord, I'm honoring you as the creator, as the giver of all things, that I'm honoring you that everything I have is yours. It's a gift from you. I, when, when we give to God, we honor Him by saying, Lord, I am dependent on You. 
And I am trusting that you're a generous God. You are my ultimate supplier. And God says, when you honor me, I will bless you in return. So what are you going to do? I just share this because I want you to be blessed. I want you to honor the Lord so that you'll be blessed. Don't lean on your own understanding. Trust in the Lord with all your heart because He wants to bless you. Second, second place where it's hard to trust the Lord is to not despise the Lord's discipline. Interesting. It's just interesting what the Lord puts in His words right after He says, trust the Lord. First He says, okay, I'll give you this one. This is a hard one. Trust me with your finances. Here's the next one. Verse 11, My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of His reproof. For the Lord reproves him whom He loves as a father the son in whom He delights. Now, when someone receives Jesus Christ, there's no more punishment for sins ever. Because Jesus on the cross took our place and He was punished as our substitute. He bore the wrath of God so that anyone who comes to Jesus in faith will not ever be punished for their sins. They will never receive the wrath of God because Jesus bore it. Yet, God disciplines us. That's different than punishment. In one sense, it's training. In another sense, it's making us more holy. It's painful at times. At times, our trials are the discipline of the Lord. It's not punishment. So anytime something bad happens to you, if you have put your trust in Jesus Christ, you can be assured, you can say, I know that God is not punishing me. He may be lovingly disciplining me. And there is a difference for my good. And why does the Lord do this? Because He loves us. He will discipline us and reprove us because He loves us and delights in us. Verse 12, it says, For the Lord reproves him whom He loves as a father the son in whom He delights. So we must trust in the Lord with all our heart and lean not to our own understanding when the Lord takes us through the hardships of life. And, and Solomon says there's two wrong responses to hardships. We can, he says, my son, do not despise the Lord's discipline. We can despise the Lord's discipline. We can say, this stinks. I hate this. I hate going through this. We're despising the Lord's discipline. We can say, this is not good. We can despise it. We can grumble. Can complain, or we can be weary. It says, "Do not despise the Lord's discipline, or be weary of His re reproof." We can just give up. We can just fail to endure. We can just say, "I quit." But we must persevere. We must keep going. We must keep trusting, no matter what God takes us from, because God loves us. Now this. This passage, Hebrews 12, expands on this passage. And so, 
there's a couple things we can learn as, as, he, as the author of Hebrews expands. And so he says in verse 5, Hebrews 12, 5, And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? He says, have you forgotten this? Because the Hebrews were suffering. They were going through hard times. And he says, don't, don't forget this. Here's what God says. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you're left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you're illegitimate children and not sons. So let me tell you this. First of all, if you're suffering as a believer, that's proof that you're a son or daughter of God. That's proof that God loves you. If your whole life is great all the time, beginning to end, never suffering, you might, really, you might wonder, am I really born again? <laughs> because every believer that the Lord loves, He disciplines because He loves us. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them. But He disciplines us for our good that we may share in His holiness. See, God is making us holy. God is making us like Jesus. And there's no way of getting there apart from God's loving discipline in our lives. When, when we go through tough times, when we go through God's discipline, it makes us more holy. It makes us humble. It makes us more dependent on God. It makes us realize how fragile we are, how weak we are, how lacking in wisdom we are. It makes us realize at times where we've made mistakes, where we've blown it, where we've sinned, and we become more holy. That's why God does it. God takes no pleasure in any of our pain. But He is so committed to us becoming more and more like Jesus that He will lovingly discipline us. And it says in verse 11, for the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. Yeah, it hurts. But later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees. That means get back up. Keep going. Keep trusting in the Lord with all your heart. Keep not leaning to your own understanding. And make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. So God disciplines us because He loves us so that we will be holy. And we must trust in Him when we're being disciplined. It's hard to do, I know. I, I wish we didn't have to be disciplined. <laughs> I don't like pain. I don't like to hurt. But I constantly seek to 
say, okay, Lord, here's my assessment of the situation. If I were to assess it, assess it I'd say this stinks. But Lord, I know that your assessment is that this is for my good. This is for my holiness. This is to make me like Jesus. This is because you love me. This is proof that I'm your son. So I will continue to trust in you. I will turn away from evil. I'm tempted to do evil. I'm tempted to go down a bad path in the middle of this trial. But I will not lean on my own understanding. I will keep trusting in you, Lord, with all my heart. Help me to do that, Jesus. Help me to trust in you with all my heart. Help me to fight. How do we do this? We keep praying. We keep seeking the Lord. We keep asking for help and strength. We ask Him to change the situation. You can ask the Lord for anything you desire. When I'm in the middle of a tough situation, I'm asking God to change it. And it's not, it's not fatalistic. It's like, okay, you said we're going to suffer. I guess I'm going to suffer. I'll, I'll say, Lord, please change this. And please help me. Help me to rejoice. Help me to be thankful. And that's the next thing to do. Keep thanking Him. Keep praising Him. Keep thanking Him that His steadfast love and His mercies are new every morning. Thank Him for His promise to never turn away from doing good to you. Thank Him that He's promised to never leave you nor forsake you. Thank Him that He's making you holy. And keep reading the Word of God. Make sure you're not turning to your own understanding and being wise in your own eyes. This, this is our lighthouse in the storm. So who are you going to trust? Who will you trust? The Lord or your own understanding? hope it's the Lord. Will you acknowledge Him in all your ways? Will you look to Him in everything and turn away from evil? Or will you be wise in your own eyes? Will you say, you know what? I really need this and I'm just not getting it. So I'll be wise in my own eyes and take that. Some of you have never put your entire trust in Jesus Christ. And you have been going down various detours and you know that your life is kind of a mess and, and you're, this is resonating with you. And what you need to do is say, Lord, I need to trust in you with all my heart. Jesus, I'm, I'm, I'm going to call on you. Rescue me from my sins. Rescue me from this life I'm living. I believe You are God. I believe You died on the cross in my place. I believe You rose from the dead. I believe You, Jesus, are reigning in heaven as King of kings and Lord of lords. Some of us need to trust God and honor Him and begin to give to Him. Some of us need to just freshly turn to Jesus and trust Him in the midst of really hard things you're going through. And we, we, have, a, we have a prayer team, a team of people that are, are here up front every Sunday and after we close, they'll be up here and they can pray with you for anything at all. They'd love to do that. So, who are you going to trust? 
Let's trust the Lord. Let's stand and let's pray. Let's have the worship team come up. Lord Jesus, you are the ultimate expert and we know that. Help us to trust you. Lord, we hear your word. I hear, I'm, I'm preaching to myself this morning, Lord. And even as I preach, I know that I will be tested to trust you. So Lord, help us all. Help us all to trust you, Jesus. We need your help. We are weak. We are so easily tempted. Help us, Lord Jesus. To trust in you. And we just thank you that you are trustworthy. We thank you that you are good. We thank you that you have demonstrated your love for us by dying on the cross. We thank you that you have been faithful many times in the past that we can remember. And you'll be faithful again in the future. So Lord Jesus, we just want to trust in you with all our hearts. And we thank you that you'll help us. We ask in your name, Jesus. Amen.